Welcome to an unexpected launch, a podcast sharing stories of people thriving after an unexpected circumstance. I'm continually amazed by the stories of those who endure the unthinkable, who don't give up, who use a challenging life event to propel themselves forward. It's a podcast about resilience, grit, and courage. I am so excited to be talking with Aiden. Aiden is my middle son. Three and a half years ago, Aiden was in a near-fatal car accident. He was the passenger in a car with one of his closest friends. It was late at night, and the driver had been drinking. After hitting speeds exceeding 80 miles an hour, the driver lost control, and their car hit a brick wall at nearly 50 miles an hour. Aiden was in the front seat, and he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Upon impact, his head first hit the dashboard, and then the momentum pitched his body forward, and his head hit a second time, shattering the windshield. Thankfully, a police officer had witnessed the, the accident as it happened, and Aiden was in an ambulance headed for Harborview Trauma Center within moments of the accident. I'm grateful to Aiden, who's willing to share his road to recovery from a traumatic injury and navigating his dad coming out. Aiden, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, it, it's such a pleasure to have you. Yes, pleasure to be here. Super awesome. <laughs> Aiden, um, December 5th, a little after midnight, your life was thrust onto a pathway that we could have never predicted and tested us in ways that none of us could imagine. Can you share what you remember of that night? Yeah, um, so December 5th, crazy night. I had uh, was just going to the state championship football, uh, football game for Bellevue High uh, um, with a couple friends. Um, you know, obviously planned on drinking a little bit. Um, and we had got there, watched the game, um, and we drove home. I don't remember too much after this. And we had gotten in a car of one of my friends, and we were going to go, uh, I think, sleep over at his house, uh, go hang out there for a bit. And on the way there, uh, we had crashed. I don't quite remember too much of that night, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, supposed to be just a casual night, but, you know, nobody would have expected that that would have happened. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any memory of the crash itself? No, not at all. So what I remember uh, of that night is I happened to be in New York for a business trip, and I was woken up uh, about around 4.30 in the morning, and it was Harborview Medical Center calling, asking was I the mother of Aiden Duncan. And uh, immediately... I knew something was wrong. I just, to, to get a call from a trauma center, it, you know, is just never a good thing. And I, I boarded a plane to head back to Seattle. And before I did so, I talked with the neurology attending. And he told me that you had suffered a severe traumatic brain injury called diffuse axonal injury or DAI. And at that time, it was too early. He couldn't tell me anything of your prognosis. So once I boarded the plane, I made the mistake of Googling uh, DAI, and I was absolutely terrified to read that it was it's associated with a 90% fatality rate. And of the 10% who do survive, the majority of those remain in a vegetative state. So I have to tell you, that was the longest six-hour plane ride of my life. 
I, I didn't know if you were going to be alive when I landed. And I arrived in the pediatric ICU to see you intubated and in a coma. And, you know, from there, this is where, where our journey forward starts. Um, so I, wanted, I want to go back to something that, that um, I think is important to touch upon. So you were in a car accident in, in which the driver was under the influence. What would you say to teenagers about the dangers of drinking and driving? Well, you know, it's hard because um, it's hard to get through teenagers' heads and it's really hard to connect, you know, all the time with them. And it's hard to show that this, you know, small accident could just happen to anyone, which it it definitely could. Um, You know, it wasn't planned for, nobody ever expects it, you know. The, oh, oh, yeah, I'm okay, I'm, I'm fine to drive. You know, it's just... Nobody really even knows, especially in high school, um, you know, and early college, you know, people are still trying to find, you know, where their limits are and everything. Um, but yeah, I would just, my biggest piece of advice would just be always, always, you know, protect yourself first, you know, whether it be you feel bad not taking that ride or you see somebody else going to do and drive the car, just, you know, take a second, have them calm down, have yourself, you know, take a step back because, you know, it could be that one oper- that one time in life where, you know, it does come around and you do get in a car crash, your best friend does. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a tricky situation, uh, especially for high schoolers, but it's just really important to learn that you have a phone now and you can call a ride share in seconds, Uber, Lyft, whatever it may be. So you mentioned it could be your best friend. So your situation was complicated in that the driver of the accident that you were in was one of your closest friends. Did that impact your friendship? Uh, You know what? It did for a bit because, you know, it was it was more when grievance in his head um, than not. And I feel I do really feel bad because I don't want anyone to be in that situation, even obviously the situation that I'm in. Um, but yeah, it's tough. And you know, you look and you learn. And it's like I said, it's high school and people make accidents. Um, but it's all about you know making steps so those happen less and less. Uh, but yeah, I I'm still very good friends with him. You know, he he did not. In, intentionally do anything um it wasn't you know he didn't have his planned in the back of his head it just was a crazy accident that had to happen uh, which sucks but you know it's the reality so we got to keep moving forward well i think the the accident impacted you both in very different ways you carry the the recovery of of from a brain injury and he carries the feelings that he has for for driving. And so it's something that both of you really have had to endure something incredibly challenging after that accident and very challenging just just in different ways. So can you share your memories of of being in the hospital and just to 
to share. So you were at Harborview, which is the trauma center here in Seattle for uh, about a week, and then you were transferred for out for uh, inpatient rehabilitation at Seattle Children's. So all in all, it was about two and a half weeks or so that you were hospitalized. What do you remember of that period? Um, well, I don't really remember the first week, to be honest, at all. I was still kind of coming out of the coma and really trying to get my bearings. But um, once it started to really begin, you know, consciousness and um, being able to actually take in what the outside was, again, um, just so many family and friends and people who I'd even, you know, just change a hello with, you know, at school or the community, everybody was there and everybody was trying to give their support, which was, you know, way more than I could have ever asked for, which was super awesome. And it, you know, helped me progress, you know, to where I, to where I am now. Well, it's, it's funny because given the type of injury that you had, we were, told that it was important to keep visitors to a minimum, that it was to be very quiet. And to your point, there were so many people who wanted to come and show their support that I eventually had to enlist the help of a friend to schedule your visitors. Um, and it, your, your room was overflowing with people, with pictures, posters, stuffed animals. We even had a Christmas tree from, from a friend. And it, it was so heartwarming to me and to dad to see all of these people, many of them who came up to me and said, I'm not really even friends with Aiden, but he's one of the kindest people that I know. And I just want him to know that I'm, I'm cheering him on. So I, I agree with you that it really was instrumental in, in your early recovery. And, you know, one of the things that I remember of being in the hospital was your beautiful soul starting to shine through. I mean, gone was the shield of being a 16-year-old boy. And um, early on, after you came out of a coma, you wanted to walk continuously. And it was like 24 hours a day. And so you and I would walk around the the hospital and I needed to kind of hold you up because you weren't able to walk on your own. And you would stop every like 20 feet and you would stop me and you'd say, mama, I just love you so much. And it was, it was, you were so sweet and you would walk up to the staff who were behind the desk and you'd shake their hands and you'd say, you're doing such an amazing job. You were just so incredibly genuine and positive and everybody absolutely loved you. Um, what I also remember is the day of your discharge from, from Seattle Children's, we were sitting around a conference table. It was the huge team of healthcare providers, your a neurologist and all of the individuals involved in your rehabilitation. And what they said to us is that it was unlikely that you were going to be able to go back to school until the following September. And so we wrapped up that meeting. We got in the car to head home and not 15. In fact, I don't even think we had left the parking lot of, of the hospital. And you said to me, mom, I'm going to school tomorrow. And I said, well, that that's not going to be possible. And, and you told me, there is nothing that you can do to stop me. And if you don't drive me to school, I'm going to run the entire way there. 
And I, I knew you to be true to your word. I knew that you, you would find a way to school. So I called the school to let them know. And we were afraid it was just going to cause such a disruption because there had been so much support from Bellevue High School. Um, and they allowed you to come to school for, for about an hour. Why was it so important for you to go back to school immediately? Well, you know, I definitely just wanted to be an ordinary person, you know, right away. You know, I didn't want this to take back in my life just because it's such an important time in a person's life, you know, high school to the end of college, you know, this area of just you are finalizing your growth as a human being. And I didn't want to leave myself out of that. And it's for me in my recovery was just all a mindset. It was just all a, I'm going to get better. Like I truly believed that this would not hold me back in life. Um, obviously there's still a couple things here and there that I notice that linger around, but you know, just being able to push so hard through it, um, and really try to test what my body could do. I feel like definitely accelerated and brought good force to my recovery for sure. Well, you are an incredibly determined individual and you know, you were adamant that you were going to maintain your, your, your schedule. You were going to keep all seven classes, which included three AP classes. And though dad and I didn't feel that that was going to be possible, we also knew that you needed to test your own limits. You were going to need to find your path forward. What was it like to be back at school? Uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, people were, you know, treating me kind of different. Um, you know, everyone's still very warm and welcoming, but um, it just felt more and more like I kind of you know, could see where I needed to, you know, take a take a break, just relax and realize I actually did go through this huge traumatic experience. Um, but no, it was it was awesome being back at school because it did give me that confidence that, OK, you know, here's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Keep pushing. And I, I know I couldn't do the whole thing, but I could, you know, still be able to try, you know, and not just sit on the sidelines. When you say that people treated you differently, can you share what that felt like? It, it felt good and bad in ways. I don't know. It's just, it felt, you know, different and unusual. Um, I, you know, I obviously didn't mind all the, hey, how's it going? And hey, good to see you. But, you know, but it just kept feeling like a reoccurrence of like, hey, here's a car crash, here's a car crash, here's a car crash. And, you know, I didn't want that, you know, so it was tough for me to try to break out of that. Oh, you know, here's Aiden. He has his head's really, you know, screwed on differently now or whatever it may be. So, you know, it hurt a little bit for sure, because, you know, you're kind of on the outside and kind of people, you know, Know, just treat you in an overall different manner, which is, it's tough, you know, for the people you've known your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. 
You know, Aiden, I remember when you went back to school, you'd come home at 2.30 and you would go to sleep until the next morning. And so you were unable to do homework. And as time went on, you realized that you weren't going to be able to maintain a full load. And we, we talked with one of the, the counselors. And really, at that point, when you went back, your ability to concentrate was about 15 minutes. And to think that you were at school from 7.30 to 2.30, you just were beyond be, being able to absorb and, and to learn. How did it feel to have to drop most of your classes? Um, you know, it, it, it did feel like a shock and like a whole kind of, whoa, well, I gotta do this and that, you know, that's a little different, but, um, it definitely was, you know, where I needed to be with dropping classes, you know, definitely not being able to intake all the information, uh, if I saw it, kept the class loads. So, it, you know, in the end, it did feel good, um, to, you know, be able to lighten up a little, little bit, you know, have a couple study halls. I could really focus on those core classes and the skills that they were teaching. Um, but yeah, it just it felt like a whole new world, which is crazy because, you know, going from kindergarten all the way up to 11th grade, you know, doing the, you know, American schooling course load is quite a bit. So it felt it felt a little strange for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 particularly your your high school is is a competitive challenging high school. So those classes that you were taking were were not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, not at all. But it was nice because, you know, some of the teachers uh, very welcoming with, you know, extra help outside, you know, really making sure that I was grasping and being able to push through and get back on the path of, you know, greatness, I guess you could say. Well, you had a team of counselors and administration and teachers at Bellevue High who were absolutely committed to helping you find success in whatever way they could, and you were so supported. It was such a relief to me to to have that support for you and that guidance because this was uncharted territory for, for me and for dad. And, and we felt incredibly lucky to have such strong support. Yeah, it was, it was very nice. It did did a lot for me more than people understood. So can you share what it's like to be a 16 year old boy recovering from a severe traumatic brain injury? Yeah. Um, it's tough. There's no doubt about that. There is absolutely no doubt about that, especially when you're, you know, having a crazy teenage life before and then trying to go back and be normal and still have that normal teenage life because you can't, you know, um, you want to set yourself up for the, you know, long game, you know, because high school obviously isn't life, you know, even though when you think that, uh, when you're that young, but you know, it's tough, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously went back to doing their high school thing and doing all the crazy partying. And, you know, I had to definitely take a huge chill on that, which was 
obviously very beneficial in the end. But, you know, it's hard when every one of your friends are still going out, you know, drinking and everyone's still, you know, doing their thing, which is it's tough playing sports and you just have to take a full step back, which is really tough for a 16 year old. Well, as a 16 year old, really all you want to do is be like everybody else. And when you that's a really difficult place to be in. Um, what were you most afraid of? I was just the most afraid of of having this impact the rest of my life forever in horrible ways and me not being able to pursue my, my dreams. Um, you know, so just where the future lies, obviously everyone's scared of the, of the future, um, you know, but it gives me that little extra, ooh, what's going to happen, you know, because, you know, you got to watch every step of the way that you take every step you make, every decision, because, you know, it does impact your brain a lot more um, when you have an injury this traumatic. So, you know, uh, afraid of almost everything, basically, at this point, you know, going back on, you know, even if it's skiing a mountain, you know, just being careful, helmet, you know, probably don't even ski mountain because, you know, you're most likely going to hit your head, which is tough. So just having to drop everything, which just kind of sucks. Which, which may have contributed somewhat to um, the extreme anger that you experienced, which is very common after a brain injury. How did that anger impact your life and the lives of those around you? Um, it impacted, obviously, for the worst. Um, I would take my anger out on the people closest to me. You, my dad. Uh, my ex-girlfriend, my friends. Um, yeah, it was just, it was not good. Obviously, I couldn't control it, and I let out my anger on the people that were closest to me. So I, it's just tough because I lost people that were really close to me because of because of it, which, you know, it really did suck. But um Obviously, in the end, the people uh, who love me the most are still here, which is awesome. So you came to me six months after your accident, and you admitted being afraid to go back to Bellevue High. And you had independently researched some options, and you proposed spending your senior year living in Italy. What made you even consider living abroad? Uh, well, my, my, my friend, uh, Cole had uh, done the program, same program in Spain the year before, um, I left for Italy. Um, so all my junior year, he was still in Spain. Um, and it just seemed like a whole different, you know, experience that literally nobody, a very, very, very small portion of people ever get in their life. Cause you know, you're only in high school once. And I saw it as, you know, like I had said, a lot of my friends had moved back to partying and doing the normal teenage things because that's what they wanted to do. You know, they're not going to, I didn't want to make them sit on the side because of me or them feeling bad for me because then it adds more to the stress of, oh, I was in a car accident. So I decided to, you know, take time for myself for sure, uh, knowing that it wasn't probably the healthiest to stay in America. So 
the whole complete environment change and culture shock really, really was an amazing experience. And obviously, I had just got so wrapped up in the idea of even being over there, travel to countries and culture, see cultures I've never seen. So once I had found out that I could apply, I was definitely hopping right on that. Well, I have to say that when you when you came to me and your dad and I talked, we we didn't know was it safe to send you abroad so soon after your accident and so we talked with doctors who reassured us that this could be a really healthy part of your recovery and so we prepared for you to spend that year away and I have to tell you when I took you to the airport, I I was terrified to let you go. It was 8 months after your accident. I was sending you to a country where you knew three words of the language. You, I was sending you off to live with a family that I had never met. And yet I knew in my heart that it was the right thing for you to do this. And so can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to spend that year in Italy and, and live with an, a family that you had never met? You know, it's it's super hard to just even describe. Obviously, I can say it's beautiful and life changing. Of course, it was, but you know, there's really no words you can really put on an experience like that. You know, I was 17 and 18 uh, during that year, and it was just mind blowing. I, I, none of my friends had could ever even. You know, nobody I knew had even came close to whatever this experience was. So I, it just, for me, it just opened my mind that there was just way more things out there than my small little corner in Bellevue up in Washington. <laughs> you know, it really shows you that, you know, you can just step back for a second and take in the beauty while you're living, which is which is super awesome. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. And, you know, it's definitely just continuously helped me to get to where I am today, for sure. So I visited you in November, so about three months after you had arrived. And I arrived to find you completely conversant in Italian, your your uh, host mom and dad and, and brother didn't speak English, and we had gone out to eat, and I remember being at this table as everybody was speaking in Italian, including you, and I kept saying, Aiden, you need to translate for me. I don't know what you guys are saying. Um, So I was so incredibly impressed that you were able to converse so quickly. Um, You know, of course, it was a little bit rudimentary, but but here you were. You were able to, to figure it out, and I remember walking along the streets of Viterbo and you were introducing me to, you had met so many homeless people who you would take out to lunch and they knew you by name and you introduced them to me. And it just, it was incredible for me to see you in this environment. And here you were this compassionate individual who was thinking not only about yourself, but at that time there were um, so many Im- immigrants who were homeless in, in Italy and, and you took it upon yourself to reach out to those individuals and connect with them 
on such a personal level. And it was just, it was incredible for me to see that. Yeah, it was just, it was an amazing experience just to be able to have the opportunity to be able to do that. So you returned from Italy and your your path forward at that point was was really unclear. So you spent about the next six months working two jobs and just trying to figure out what you wanted to do. And at this point, college wasn't an, an option. We knew that you weren't going to be able to to maintain um, going away to school and, and going to a university. So you've always been really passionate about music and you decided to apply to and were accepted into a music production program in Los Angeles. And, you know, once again, uh, here you are 18 and I stood by and watched you set off alone for your, your next adventure. You got in your car, you headed to Los Angeles, you set up an apartment all on your own and you figured out life. What are the highlights of, of your year at Icon in that, that music program? Uh, highlights, highlights. Um, well, it's tough to have a lot of great, well, you know, I love making music, so it's a little, it's a little different, but you know, you're sitting there, you know, hours in and hours out of, uh, your room, just basically your home studio, just working and working and working and working and not sleeping and not eating and just working. Um, which is, you know, it's a crazy, it's a whole crazy life change. So it, it just has shown me like how hard you really have to work. If you really want it. Um, you know, and really have that be your life and you know, main source of income that you can live off of. Um, and it just showed me how, you know, tough life can be if you, you know, don't give yourself that 100% effort every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are those are some highlights. Um, And I think it wouldn't be fair to, to also explore the fact that you really struggled with and still do with depression. Um, and you admitted to me on a number of occasions that you were considering uh, considering suicide. And as you know, Aiden, the suicide rate in, in young adults has skyrocketed. What was it that kept you moving forward and, and allowed you to never give up? The thing that really probably kept me moving forward was just knowing that there's the next day. Um, you know, I had just looked from all the way back when I was a super young kid, okay, not even able to comprehend that, okay, I would be going to that middle school, that's my life now, okay, now we're going into high school, that's my life, Uh, car crash, that's my life, my dad comes out, that's my life, go to Italy, that's my life, now I'm in LA, that's my life, just realizing that even the lowest of the lows, it can flip so fast before your eyes for the better. And I believe, you know, everything that goes around comes around for sure. Karma and whatnot, and what you put into the earth is good, will receive good back. So just staying, staying true to myself, being just pushing forward with myself um, and realizing, yeah, I'm going to get sad sometimes. Everybody does. That's just life. You know, um, it's a state of 
state of mind and you can easily get out of it, you know? It's just, it takes time, you know, and it takes effort. I think you're absolutely right. It's that I think that that's one of the key things is it does take time and it does take it. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's it's not easy. So you know there have been so many moments that have been uncertain where your your future just was unclear. So tell us what are you doing now? Um, now I'm just still in the Burbank. Uh, after graduating the production school, and now I'm interning at a studio called Bad Factory, um, up sort of in the Van Nuys area. And obviously I'm just running coffee, cleaning and doing the old, you know, front line defense, as they say. But uh, just learning every single day, really trying to push um, myself and what I can learn and can take into this experience and journey that I do go through music. Um, so I'm just living, I guess they can say that Cali life of uh, hard work and trying to push to be the best, but you know, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, I couldn't be more proud of you for this internship and I'm really excited to see where this goes for you. Thank you. So you you just alluded to this a little bit earlier about your your dad coming out. So your dad came out as gay two months before your accident. The morning he came out to the three of you, I remember you asking, does this mean are you getting a divorce? What do you remember about that morning? Well, I remember obviously coming up for Sunday Sunday breakfast and everyone's, you know, you know, doing doing their normal breakfast TV on and everything, and uh, you know, my dad had paused the TV and said that just out of you know, just basically it felt like out of nowhere. Um, but it's really tough to say because obviously at the time I was angry, you know, um, not with him and him being himself, but just having to move again, you know, change. I wasn't, at that at that point in my life, I wasn't comfortable with change. I wasn't comfortable with changing my path of how my day-to-day and my course. And I knew that, you know, him coming out would definitely change, you know, my day-to-day and where I live and how I do things. Um, so just a little, you know, cloudy-minded almost, pretty much. So your relationship with, with dad was pretty complicated and up until the point that you left for for Italy. Can you share why you were so angry with him? Uh, I was just angry with a lot of things in the world at that time, you know, obviously with my car crash and everything and just angry with having to take on a whole load of, oh, you have a brain injury and then, oh, you have to go move, you have to do this, you gotta, you gotta just have this whole different life. And I was just so angry that I had to change so much of my life. Even though it wasn't that much, it just felt like an incredible load when, you know, you're 16, you're going through all that. Um, yeah, it was just, it was tough, 
you know, nothing was ever at him. You know, I, I love him. You know, he's my dad. Um, and he's an awesome guy. It just was wrong place, wrong time, I guess I have to say. Well, I think that that was an incredible amount of change in a very compressed period of time. And it's unimaginable just to have your life completely transformed in the space of such a short period of time. Um, And it was, I was very happy that you were able to repair your relationship with him before you left for Italy, you know, after your accident, it, I've always known that any, you know, anything could happen in life and life is unexpected, but I kept thinking, my goodness, what if something happens and there they, they never reconnect. So I was, I was so happy that, that that happened before you left. Yeah. Yeah. So Aiden, your life has really been impacted in, in, in just unimaginable ways. And you've been through more than anyone at your age should ever have to go through. And though there have been so many difficult moments, as you really described here, um, and as what, what really shines through is just, you have so much grit and determination. You're so brave. You've been so resilient throughout all of this. What, was it that gave you the strength to continue to recover and push yourself forward day after day, even when some of those days were so dark? My main, my main strength really just came from almost trying to prove people wrong um, and really prove to myself what I am capable of. I really knew I was capable of great before the car crash. So I didn't want to not accomplish great things in life. Um, and I did want to prove the people, you know, who were around me in, in high school, who, you know, looked at me as different after it, or the people I go through life where they just, they take the, oh, you know, he's, he has this or he has that with him. but. Being able to show people what I can really do really just pushes me every day and makes me happy with you know myself because I'm constantly growing to new heights that I never thought I could reach or you know, showing to your dad or my friends that you know I can I can do this, which is just awesome. Which is really just awesome. Well, one of the things that I I remember vividly is you were what, this is a, a, around the the topic of you wanting to go back to school, wanting to maintain a full load and, and pushing forward, despite the fact that your physicians were saying you shouldn't be at school. You said, nope, nobody's seen anybody like me and I'm just going to show them. And, and you, you did. You absolutely did. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels good. It definitely feels good. Well, it should feel amazing. I mean, what you've been able to, despite the, the, some of the limitations and some of the challenges, what you've been able to push through has been absolutely inspiring. So, Aiden, where do you turn to for inspiration? For inspiration, it's tough. Um, I just feel just so inspired every day by this car crash. 
that it gives me light. Obviously, I turn to everything in my life that has ever happened for inspiration. I do look at what other people are doing, but being able to, you know, pave a way for a path that people can also walk um, and, you know, see, see the way I see life through my, my eyes. And just being able to try to even give people the glimpse of life that that I see just really, you know, wakes up my brain and really makes me push forward with everything I do, whether it be, you know, learning more in music or trying to be a better person or, you know, giving my two cents on the subject. Um, yeah, I just believe that everyone has greatness and it just needs to be unlocked. I have to tell you that you've been such an inspiration to me and watching you continue to push forward. It gives me, it makes me look at my own life and and make sure that I'm continuing to push forward and, and never giving up. And, and I know that you and sharing this story are going to be so inspiring to others. Yeah, I, I do hope so. I do hope so. What's your greatest hope? My greatest hope, um, obviously for myself, is to be able to reach as many lives as possible and hear my experiences to hope to change their life for the better. Um, whether that be for a split second for a day or for a year or for their life. Uh, um, I just hope people can, you know, come out of their shells and show who they really are and push for greatness, you know, and really, really push for greatness because I believe every single human being can do this. Whether, you know, they're like me and they have a traumatic brain injury or they have, you know, some other type of learning disability or, you know, life has given them a, you know, crap hand, but I feel like you can turn anything, whatever it is, into gold. So I just hope that everybody can learn and recognize this. Mm, love that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'd just like to share, you know, if, if you know anybody else going through these type of situations or even remotely similar, you know, an injury of any sort, just, you know, taking your time and being kind with them and being, you know, being supportive and always being there, always checking in. It really, it definitely goes the extra miles for those people who are in those situations, um, whether they be accidental or intentional or whatever may the world, you know, have put on your plate, but just always, Go, go into everything with open open mind and a big heart, and I think anybody can win like that. Aiden, I'm, I'm so grateful for you for opening up and being brave enough to, to speak up and to share some of your really difficult moments, and I think that that is going to be so helpful for other people and really appreciate your honesty. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share an unexpected launch with a friend. Aiden Duncan produced this episode and composed the music.